1: At Show, Talk Radio to Thrive By. I had a very exciting show for you all today. I am just thrilled and honored. You know, a friend, a colleague of mine, somebody we have had the honor of taking the journey. Claudette Rowley is joining us here today. Cultural Brilliance, CEO, best-selling author. um, You know, chief organizational motivator, I would say. (laughs) Somebody that has worked with Organizations at their best and organizations not so much at their best for over 20 years. Mm -hmm. Today, I've asked her to come and chat with us so that we can talk about not change the way that we generally talk about change, but change in the way that we've not talked about change before, a new level that is showing up in the world of change. Now, she and I both have organizational experience. We know what it's like to work with cultures. We know what it's like to talk to leadership about change. But this is a new deal. So leading during the age of COVID, climate change, Benny change and human potential today is what we're talking about. As she takes us on this journey of how her life has moved up and down, navigating the pathways, you know, compass in hand has changed and what light we can shine today on outcomes perhaps we didn't expect. Uh, Claudette, it's great to have you
2: thanks pat i'm so happy to be here
1: um yeah. you and i before the show we were mm-hmm. chit-chatting and and i said something unusual but i just want to give a shout out to people today uh that one of them are two of them basically are on our team that have been in the middle of these fires mm-hmm. even, and it used to be just the west but it's not it's like the west now montana so folks that have really been out there and uh We just want people to be safe. Shout out to Bonnie. I know this was tough for Bonnie, one of our folks. Mm -hmm. Um, But it is part of our conversation today.
2: It absolutely is. It absolutely is, right? Yeah. It's part of the changing conversation, I think. In the the conversations I'm having, I'm noticing there's more reality, right? Like we can't just skip over some of these things anymore because they're extreme.
1: And I want to say this. Um, I've seen a lot of things in the past three plus years Mm -hmm. that I thought I had seen it all, but Mm -hmm. I'm seeing some things now that makes me accelerate my own personal growth Mm -hmm. because we're living in a different time and a different place. Um, You on the other hand, or maybe in the same vein, maybe in the same vein, you also have taken a new pathway, have gone out and have done something um, to really bring light and shine your skills as a leader into action now. And I wanted to ask you, um, how is it that you're seeing what you've written about Mm -hmm. in Cultural Brilliance, the book, Mm -hmm. and what you've taught, how are you seeing the importance of that today for its use in the world?
2: What a great question. So I'm, uh, you know, in addition to being the author of cultural brilliance and consulting, I'm also doing um, about a three-quarter time uh, gig as a leader at a company. Um, And it's a small manufacturing company. We have 40 people. Um, So I've, yeah, I've gotten on, you know, boots on the ground, real-world experience of helping to transform this culture and now help lead it through this COVID-19 era. Um, So you know, what I found is that the importance of culture cannot be overstated. You know, what I wrote about, what, I, what I've spoken about, what I've consulted about, um, when you bring it to life as a leader of a company and you're really responsible for for people, it, you see the importance of it, right? And one of the things that um, when, COVID, when COVID started and we were able to determine we were an essential business and that we would stay open, you know, we said to the company, Let's have this bring out the best in us, not the worst in us. Right, And it was really, I could feel the importance of giving that energetic signal to the company. Right. Because of course people are terrified. We don't know what this is. We don't know if we're staying open. We don't know if we're getting sick. We don't know. You know, I mean, there are all these questions. No one's ever been here before. Yeah. So um, it really just the, the, the reality of having a solid culture, continuing to build on it and really signaling to people what direction we were heading in, I mean, it was incredibly important you could feel people galvanize around it.
1: Yeah. And you know what? You nailed something and I want to just stay with it for a minute because we say these things and they roll off our tongues, but let's Mm -hmm. break down what you just said because each of them has such an important leadership piece. Mm -hmm. You know, myself and you, we are in positions where we have to determine what company what are we? I had to go to three attorneys and two accountants to get a consensus that we were an essential company. Mm -hmm. And so it really, I mean, people think, well, why couldn't you figure that out for yourself? Well, we could, but, you know, in the world we live in, we were on unsure footing, Mm -hmm. check, double check, triple check Mm -hmm. out of the gate. But then when we did, We were faced with some decisions that, I mean, I've had to make decisions, but I think these were some of the toughest Mm. for me, Mm -hmm. whether to keep people, not keep people, redirect the business, do a different line of business. Mm -hmm. Have you been facing the same things?
2: Not quite as much as a lot of other businesses have. Um, and that's only out of sheer luck, um, and that's because, <laughs> that's because we make a product that supplies the medical device industry and the defense industry, and those companies remain stable and or actually increase their orders in the medical device side, so, so because of that, we didn't have to face the same, um, you know, I know, like you said, a lot of people have had to come up with new business lines or redirect their entire business, So we we weren't faced with that as much. We have grappled with our supply chain issues, which make a lot of sense, right? And scrambling around that.
1: yeah, Right, right. And, you know, so somebody asked me, what do you think, I want to ask you the same question. Yeah. What do you think when you step back out of this, you know, Mm -hmm. because you know what people call me, Pollyanna patty, pistol pack and patty, you know, ping pong patty, whatever the patty is, they always have a question about how glass half empty, half full. And I always say the glass is overflowing. And I was asked how. Mm -hmm. So here, there's a why. Why do I say that? Simple, ridiculous thing. You ready? I am. In the world we live in, we have been begging, begging, begging for all of the multimedia Zooms and Skypes of the world to upgrade their stuff. Mm. We had to do nothing for Zoom to upgrade its stuff. And so it's an odd benefit from this, mm-hmm. but it's an important one that could have taken another 18 months. True. Are you seeing those kinds of, I don't know, coincidences in your everyday world? What are you seeing?
2: Yeah, I mean, I've definitely seen some of them personally. Um, and then I think at work, you know, it's just been what, what we found was, you know, we did a lot of pragmatic things like, you know, we had to make sure, you know, the virus doesn't come into the business was the number one concern, right? So we have sanitation protocols, we have protocols around, of course, people are wearing masks. I'm not right now because I'm in my office with my door yeah. shut, you know. Me too. On Zoom. But otherwise I would be, you know, wearing one. And, and what I found is it increased ownership. It increased um, people's engagement in certain ways. Not everybody, but the majority, right? So you started to see things that might've taken us longer in terms of people development or organizational development accelerated right? People stepping in to run certain things. Like we never had sanitation teams before because we have cleaners that come into the business. Now we have these, someone has to run that, you know? So it was more like, what are the needs of the business now? And how do, we, how do we change on the dime to meet it? I think the other piece, and this is super pragmatic, but it was very much, you know, reading for me, reading tons of research studies, being on top of the science, really understanding what do we need to do to stay ahead of this and not keep reacting to it And that to me is just, we could have gone so many different ways, but the fact that we were able to say, okay, let's get ahead of this was huge. And I think that role models a lot for other people.
1: I want to talk about that with you for a minute when we come back from break, because one of the things that we, we use language like systems approach Mm -hmm. and what you just talked about is really at the core of a systems approach, mm-hmm. because one of the things it takes is to think proactively, right. you know, to be ahead, to really try to jump ahead and guess maybe, or use your yeah. intuition. I use my mm-hmm. intuition quite a bit. Yeah. But when we take a look at a systems approach to COVID, you know, are we able to see all the dots and how they connect, Right. Mm -hmm. So are we able to see, for example, the exponential acceleration of the impact of climate change? Are we able to see it? Mm -hmm. And when we come back, let's talk about that. And also, how does a systems approach not just help you stay afloat during COVID, Mm -hmm. but what is it going to do to change the landscape of businesses Mm -hmm. in the future? And I did a show a couple of weeks ago with one of the hosts, and she said, "This is not the new normal. It's not a new normal. It's a new abnormal. It's it's something that is not ever going to be the way it was. Mm-hmm. And if you think we're going to be able to go back, how sure of you are are you of that? When we come back." let's talk about where we're going and why the system approach is creating some of the most incredible innovations of our time mm-hmm. that we're not so talking about claudette rally everybody cultural brilliance we're going to take a short break we'll be right back join the new earth on the cornelia stephanie show
3: Hi, I'm
2: Laura Meeks, and the most common problem that my clients face is all work and no play. This is why I created Fly High
0: Living. I help you develop a balanced life plan and guide you to a place where you love to wake up in the morning. Call
1: 888-666-1570 or go to flyhighliving.com to sign up for the four-week Flight Plan for Life course.
3: Hello friends, I am Terry J. Walker with the I Am Power Hour, and here is your soul stretching success tip of the day. No matter where you go, there you are. Did you know our lives are like mirrors? You know in the physical world, we stand in front of a mirror and see with our physical eyes a direct reflection of our physical self. Some of us use this physical mirror to critique our body, our hair, our blemishes. On the other hand, we also have a spiritual mirror that is a direct reflection of how we think, feel, and act in spirit, and it reflects what we experience and receive. You know, true beauty, love, wisdom, and acceptance comes from within. So the soul-stretching success question of the day is which mirror are we using to create our life? I hope you have a wonderful day filled with love, light, and beauty.
0: Call in for intuitive readings and visit jenroyster.com for more information.
1: Hey everybody, welcome back. It's so great to have all of you tune us in and turn us on. I'm so I'm so thrilled to be checking in with Claudette, Claudette Rowley. Of course, she is the CEO of Culture of Brilliance. She has written the book Culture of Brilliance. And so we're kind of talking about it today. But there it's really clear to me, Claudette, that you know, when you wrote the book and started to put, you know, pen to paper. Mm-hmm. You are light years ahead in the conversation mm-hmm. about this. I mean, it's really clear to me, mm-hmm. light years ahead. And I want to zoom in on something very specific. Um, of course, we're going to talk about a systems approach to COVID, mm-hmm. but right. you have something in the book that many people don't have in the book. It's so innovative that a lot of times when people read it, they don't quite get what you mean. Mm-hmm. And that is the idea of using a systems approach, but making sure that you have an adaptage in nature. Mm. Mm -hmm. Those organizations that have an adaptage in nature might make it here. Yeah. Tell us about how you look at COVID, climate, economy, Mm. all of this um and by the way I don't think the political uh scenario is out of the picture either I mean it's like everything is coming together in what my friend calls a perfect storm uh and I'm not sure how perfect it is but how do you look at this from a systems approach yeah
2: I would say that it's not perfect right (laughs) not a perfect storm um a storm we don't want to be in but since we are right yeah you know when we see all these systems breaking down right health political you know the environmental piece et cetera. but I you know I think of a, a systems approach and you mentioned adaptogen you know adaptogens are things that help people and systems return to health um, so if you have an adaptogen organization it's going to be able to have a culture that snaps it back right as a colleague of mine calls it elasticity right you can something bad can happen and you can snap back into shape and not fall apart for more than a little bit right but I think of you know when I think of COVID I think of climate change I think of our economic recovery and everything else that's going on you know the systems I see at play are equality relationships and justice it's these really big systems right because we saw you know as, as most of us have heard if we've kept up with COVID we see the inequality there right lack of access to health care people with more pre-existing conditions had lack of access to health care cetera, right so they already more likely to get COVID in some cases or or die or have you know severe consequences than those of us who have had the luxury of having better health care and fewer pre-existing conditions we see you know the equality piece with Black Lives Matter right and other folks who have been fighting for equality in the U.S. for a really long time and just relationships in general right how do we um, someone I've been doing some work with said you know you can't have peace on the planet without fixing how we relate to each other Mm-hmm. And I was like, wow, that's actually really true. Right? How do you yeah. how do you handle climate change really well without people just being able to say, "Hey, we're all connected." Yeah. And live that way, right? So I see the systems pieces you could you could look at the systems in kind of a micro pragmatic way or this really macro huge way, right? Mm-hmm. That we have equality issues and justice issues that drive a lot of this.
1: Yeah. Absolutely and one of the things that you know i want to i, I want to just echo in what you said really is that just because it seems we have not had unrest or that everything mm-hmm. was okay just because it seems like that isn't this a model that we look at in organizations when we talk about culture that we only are seeing the tip of the iceberg yeah Um, But now we're starting to see more and more of the iceberg. You know, do you think that a crisis or crises that we're going through that threaten the very livelihood and lives of people, Mm -hmm. um, do you think they um, actually reveal the emotional truth that people are
2: experiencing? I think so. I think because, it, you know, whether we're looking at a society Which are both cultural, right? Societal or something in an organization. It may seem like you said that things are okay, but then there'll be that something that opens it up. Something happened to me yesterday, Friday at work, actually, or something, someone said something. I was like, oh, okay, we have something we have to look into, you know? (laughs) Um, And I thought everything was fine because it looked fine. Uh, and, And I'm pretty tuned in. So that happens. Yeah, when you see the unrest, when you see like people are revealing their emotional truths. I think you said that really well. This is how they've been living, they've had to survive. in a a certain kind of culture, just, you know, and now there's at a point, I mean, everything has a tipping point.
1: Yeah, I mean, um, one of the things that I I was looking at something, I have a friend of mine that's in the uh, sports casting business and uh, both the the Seattle Seahawks played and of course there's nobody in the stands and the Seattle Mariners are playing very, very well. And so my friend kind of joked and said, Hey, maybe you guys should never fill the uh, stadiums with people because of the way these two teams are playing. Mm-hmm. But then he said something interesting to me, and it struck a moral question for me. Mm-hmm. Here's what he was he sent me a picture of the Athletics and Mariners double header game that was played, mm-hmm. I think, Betty, what, yesterday or last night? And the smoke in the air was so, I mean, honestly, I don't know how these folks could see. It was so bad. Mm. And I asked myself this question. Yeah, it's sports. Yeah, they're out there. But I mean, there was something wrong with, in my thinking, there was something off for me Mm. where I was thinking, how are these guys out there breathing? Right. You know, how are they even breathing? And I said to my buddy, hey, you know, is, are, are the players okay? How are they breathing? His answer was, Pfft, there is no breathing in, in professional sports. And I said, oh, okay. But we are really at the, if it's not obvious enough that there's something going on with the climate, I don't know what it's going to take. And I want to ask you about that from a systems approach, because I know you've talked about this. mm mm-hmm. Is, are we beyond the wake-up call
2: here? I I don't know. I don't think we're. I don't think you're ever. We're ever beyond the wake-up call, right? I mean, scientifically, there can be, there might. I'm sure there are points of no return already in place in certain ways, right? Yeah. But I also believe humans adapt really well when they put their minds to it, um, and like you said about you know different. We were on, during our break, right? Talking about different innovations, how to handle things. So I think no. I don't think we're beyond the wake-up call. Um, I think. You know one, as I've thought about climate change and, and politics and other things, it strikes me that I think for some folks, the reality of what's occurring is so scary. yeah, that they're coming up with alternative realities um, yeah. in their mind or something. Just by that, I mean something else to believe in, right. They'll believe in something different because it's easier or it, it aligns with their um, belief system or their values. And it, it makes it very difficult and to move certain things forward. You know what I'm really
1: struck by, and you fit into this category, I'm really struck by um, families and how, mm-hmm. and we're not, we're really not talking about this enough, Claudette. Mm-hmm. We're, I'm really struck by how families have gone to extraordinary lengths to adapt. Mm-hmm. And not all families have. I mean, believe it or not, not everybody has internet, high-speed internet. Their children are not going to learn online. No. That's not everywhere, right? Mm -hmm. But somehow we've shown our level of resilience Mm -hmm. beyond what we're even talking about, resilience in ways that I didn't even understand. What do you think has been the key to that? And especially when you think about cultural brilliance and you're talking about the development of resilience.
2: I mean, that's such an interesting question. I think, you know, I think it has, the human spirit is actually resilient, right? I mean, you just see, like you said, you see these adaptations, you see people dealing with difficult situations. Um, It's sort of like you're gonna sink or swim, right? And if you wanna swim, you're gonna figure it out. We're always way more creative than we give ourselves credit for in terms of our problem solving. We have so much potential. Um, it's the people that are sinking that really, you know, keep me up at night um, because they didn't, they don't have enough food, right? They don't have a job. They're already, you know, they were already, or they are already compromised to begin with in some way. Um, and what's happened to their children. And we're actually doing a food drive at work. Yeah. Right now, because that New Hampshire, where our company has had a 57% increase in food insecurity. Yep. Due to COVID. Yeah. 20, 21% of children don't have enough to eat right now, which to me is unconscionable, unconscionable. So, you know, I, I think it's, I think one of the great wake up calls too is, is, and it's something I think about a lot is at times before when maybe helping other people seemed optional, it's not optional now. No, it's not. If you have a heart, right? You're like, what can we do? How, what can we possibly do to make a difference here?
1: Yeah, I I think you're right. And part of this, too, is figuring out where you can plug yourself in. I want to talk to you about that when we come back from break. Claudette Raleigh joining me here today. Please go to culturalbrilliance.com. Also, you'll see a copy of our book, Cultural Brilliance. When we come back, you know, let's talk about how do you keep your engine fueled and refueled as you mm. make your way through these days? And is Claudette really seeing a new leadership model? Is something else emerging? Or does something else need to emerge? Let's take a short break, everybody. We'll be right back with my very, very special guest, Claudette Rowley. we'll be back.
0: Hi, everyone. I'm the host of Nothing But Now, Mindful Living with Dr. Mary Angela McGuire on Transformation Talk Radio. I share ideas, insights, and tools you can use to release yourself from fearful and negative thinking and live from a place of clarity and confidence. Please join me in each show where we challenge ourselves to change together. Please go to my website, MaguireLifeCoach.com. That's MaguireLifeCoach.com. See you next time.
1: Welcome to the Dr. Pat Show, Talk Radio to Thrive Bike. I am so thrilled to be talking to all of you. We have got talk radio for all. Of ready and willing and able to accept all of the abundance you can muster up in your life yeah. check us out at drpacho.com transformationtalkradio.com transformationradio.fm oh my goodness a word of caution
3: if you prefer the status quo and you are not interested in improving every aspect of your life this book will trigger the shift out of you the truth is funny shift happens is available now Author Colette Steffen brings the powerful knowledge and life-changing energy and empowerment from the radio airwaves to the pages of her new book. To get
0: your copy in paperback or ebook, visit thetruthisfunny.com today.
1: Hey, everybody, welcome back, culturalbrilliance.com. Check it out. Claudette Rowley joining me here today. You know, thank you, Claudette, for coming back and chatting with us, because we are talking Mm -hmm. about leading during the age of COVID, climate change, human potential, all of the above. And, you know, we were talking, you know, at the break about how decisions show up Mm -hmm. each of us personally I've had a bunch of friends that have made some decisions they wouldn't have normally made Mm -hmm. had they stayed in their jobs you know most of the companies have said we don't know if we're going to bring you back we're not sure what we're going to do with that so Mm -hmm. people have made changes accordingly Mm -hmm. the thing that I'm struck by is the word empowerment Mm -hmm. because how does COVID 19, climate change, all of these factors coming together, the political climate, whatever that is, how do you think that they've instilled a new sense of empowerment in people, even if they don't like the word, don't say the word? Mm-hmm. How has that happened? Because I know this is something you're involved with.
2: Yeah, I think, you know, as you were asking that question, what struck me is, I think for some people, it snapped, the, snapped them out of some complacency. And, you know, when that happens, you can, you can choose to create a life that really works for you. And that's part of resilience, I think, right? So even yeah. in these circumstances that aren't ideal, how can I create a life that really works for me? And that requires knowing yourself, right, and, being, and getting some empowerment. Um, you know, i heard this great definition of empowerment recently, which was empowerment is the opposite of blame blame is the most disempowered state you can possibly be in when you're empowered you've taken full responsibility for creating your life within the circumstances you have right so to me you know i think we have it's that whole chaos and crisis versus opportunity situation how do you want to make the best of what's going on right given again given the circumstances
1: you know this is the interesting dynamic of blame because if you're in the energy of blame, you're not in the energy of possibilities. Right. You've literally shut the door on that.
2: You have. You
1: know, because you're looking at who am I going to blame you? Am I going to blame the, the board of directors? Am I going to blame, blame the board of education? Maybe let's blame the PTA. Whatever right. that is, you're looking for a place to drop that blame in mm-hmm. until you get to the place where you've run out of you've run out of options of blame. And sometimes right. that's enough. But the idea, and I love that definition you shared, the idea is how do each of us, Claudette, how do we each take our own piece of responsibility for where we are today? And I'm not just saying just with the fires. I mean the whole lot of it. Yeah. How do we get to take our piece of responsibility without adapting a self-loathing?
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Great question. yeah 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 I think the self-loathing would be probably the worst choice one of the worst choices someone could make yeah um, I think it's looking you know if you I've I've been fortunate to be able to look at some decisions I made in the last year or two and they actually set me up um, in a really good position right now during COVID which I of course had no idea was going to be coming right right but when I look back on those decisions a lot of them had to do with really understanding what was important to me and taking some risks. Um, And most of them panned out well. So I think that is, you know, so using your intuition, understanding what you really want and need and taking some risks um, are huge to this, are huge to being empowered. Uh, So versus self-loathing or self-criticism or all of that, which doesn't really help you. Here I am today, this is where I'd really like to get to, right, what do we need to do? Um, And I think that, and the other piece of it, if you're fortunate like me, um, to be, you know, to have a job right now, right, and to be healthy, looking for opportunities to contribute, right? So it's, I mentioned the food drive. The other thing I've gotten involved with is um, a place called um, the Empowerment Institute uh, that is launching initiative for peace on earth by
1: 2030.
2: Yeah. Uh, peace2030.earth is the website um, by David Gershon, who's a noted consultant and author in the social change arena. And uh, it's really, really interesting work, and it has to do with embodying um, seven different principles, and so you, you know, that's something I feel completely drawn to and called to. So, like, what are, what is everyone called to, right? What do you feel called to if you have a job right now and you're healthy? How can you contribute? And I think because what I know and we know from quantum physics is every little contribution is going to make a big difference. Um, and the other thing I think a lot about is, and I may be getting this a little bit wrong, but I think it's from Buddhism, this idea that if what we do to one person, we do to the world. And I think a lot about that. Right? That's right. So how are we treating ourselves? How are we treating other people? And what can we do to make a difference?
1: You know, what I love about this is we get, we're at a choice point. Now, yeah. I want to talk about this, and I want to talk about that organization, because A lot of times we talk about employees. We're like, employees are like, are you going to talk about us again? Oh, my gosh. Talk about my boss. Please talk about my boss. Um, And I think about this, and one of the things I'm really struck by is, if nothing else, this time we're in now Mm -hmm. has really given us options. Let me call them options. Yeah. One option is you can grow your folks. You Mm -hmm. can help them grow. You can literally figure what that looks like. Maybe go get some growth help yourself as a mm-hmm. manager slash leader. I don't care what level you're at. Mm-hmm. But get that because we have never been at this level of fear mm-hmm. on That's an everyday true. basis. We have had fear of the economy and what? Oh, seven, eight, nine, ten. We, mm-hmm. that, we had that. Mm-hmm. We had that fear. But we have not quite been here. And you could either choose growth or grind. Mm -hmm. Now, grind is when you just arbitrarily just blurt out orders, disrespectful to people. That may have worked for a while. What do you think the impact of treating staff Mm -hmm. in that way now?
2: What I've seen is that... um... For example, now there's one other company I, still, I do some consulting for, and they were already a virtual company, so they've you know, they continued on. And, uh, and the stress that their employees are under, and they, they're also doing some scaling and growing and have aggressive goals related to that, and the stress that I'm hearing from people, the stress that I'm, you know, and I'm hearing in some cases that the leaders aren't hearing that very well. Um, so just underscores what you were saying, like if you were disrespectful to people or whatever, you're going to break them at some level. I mean, or they're going to leave because they can't take it. Everyone, yeah. the strongest person knows when to bow out and say this, I can't take this yeah. anymore, right? Yeah. So versus break, you know, you're going to bow out um, and take a different path. So I think adding to people's stress in that way is is unconscionable at this point, um, especially if you have people with kids who are in school, Right. Yeah. And that's a reality. I'm, I'm, you know, I, my son's in 12th grade and doesn't need my help, but I think if I, right. doesn't want it. Um, yeah, but right. I think if, <laughs> right. But if I, you know, if I, he was, you know, 10 years younger or something, right. Five years younger, I'd yep. be in there. Yep. And so when parents who are trying to homeschool and work, you know, and if they have their boss yelling at them, I, I, it's just not, it's not bearable. Right. You need yeah. compassion.
1: So this is Latinx, Latino Heritage Month. This is the, this is a month, right? And now that I understand that my grandfather was born in Brazil, I have a different idea about this month. I'm still trying mm-hmm. to wrap my mind around how, how the... If I wasn't on AMFM radio, I'd do a cuss word right now. But how did Emily <laughs> keep a secret like that? I mean, mm. how does that happen? Right. So here we are, and... We are now aware of conversations about race, around color, about mm-hmm. gender, about uh, sexual identity. Mm-hmm. We are now in the melting pot of it. Right. And I had a friend make a comment to me. I don't know. What was it? Three months ago with Portland. What was going on in Portland? Oh, right. And said something to me I found interesting. And they looked at the pictures that a moms. And believe me, the moms have learned from this experience in Portland. Mm. And there they were. And my friend says, don't you have any people of color in the Pacific Northwest? And I said, well, what, well, what are you talking about? And then I said, you know what? This is a different culture here. You're right. It's different than the culture I grew up with on the East Coast. Mm -hmm. I went to a school, Plainfield, New Jersey, the school where the riots happened, where people of color were mostly the majority in that school. Mm -hmm. I grew up in the projects and the Pacific Northwest is a bit different than those places.
2: Oh yeah. yeah. But I
1: said to my friend this, and I'd like to ask you about it. I said, just because what you saw looks different what did you make of those people standing up to protect their kids? You mm. I mean, what did you make of people standing up? You know, what is yeah. it that you're seeing from these mm. things? And I'm telling you that people want to talk about it Claudette, but not mm. the way it's on the news. Right. They want to they want to have like a conversation. My friend says, "Why don't you create a group for people to just come and talk?" Mm. I don't know what I'm going to do with that, but I wanted to ask you about this, because in order to get peace on earth in mm-hmm. 2030, mm-hmm. we need to do a lot more chit-chatting. Yeah, we do.
2: <laughs> <laughs> At least that's yeah. my two cents, right? Right, 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 right. You know, it's interesting. In the uh, Yeah, I was so impressed by the moms in Portland, right? And there was a little part of me that was relieved, because I know what happens when you get women and mothers. Oh, involved, right? Yeah, look at Mad. Uh, look at the right.
1: bombs Against Drunk drug. yeah.
2: Right, right, you do, and and women in general, right? Yeah. Um, and I, I, so I know, I often think back to when the anniversary of us getting the vote, you know, comes around every year, I think back to the suffragists, and you really look at what they went through, it's pretty brutal in some cases. I mean, they really stood up, you know, when they had no rights. So I think the converse, you know, I think there's sometimes a tendency for people to say, for example, oh, where you know, where are the people of color? Where are those moms? And and which is, uh, on one hand, a fine question. There's nothing wrong with having discussion, having that discussion, but I think what sometimes gets missed is the positive part of it. Like, isn't it great the moms are out there, yep. right? Like, we're so um, it gets so divisive so quickly yep. that in a way it sort of it it mutes us from getting into the really important topics and the really important issues. And I'd rather have a conversation that talks about the truth of what's going on what's positive and great about it and what's not so positive and great about it and what do we need to change? Um, And I think those conversations will get us a lot further.
1: Well, I wanna talk to you about this when we come back because, uh, and maybe we'll just go ahead and skip the break for now, everybody, because I love peace on earth by 2030 and I Mm -hmm. wanna hear more about that, right? I would like to hear about, you know, what the approach and strategy is for Mm -hmm. that. And the reason I'm so interested in it, and this is this may seem like a benign comment to a lot of people. Mm. I live in a state, and Benny, correct me if I'm wrong here, or Zach. I live in the state of Washington where I've been doing mail-in ballots, like, I don't know, like for how long? Like mm. maybe like when I discovered I could do them here. Right, <laughs> right. This morning, I tried to get a mail-in ballot for Linda who's here for, since till March. Mm -hmm. And I tried to get something for her. So this is how spoiled people tell me I am living in Washington state. And I do feel blessed living here Mm -hmm. beyond today's show. Mm -hmm. I feel blessed. I got to fill out an app. Linda got to fill out like an application
2: Mm.
1: for, to get a ballot. Wow. What, right? Yeah, And so, so here's my dilemma. And this mm-hmm. is tied back into the peace conversation. I okay. swear it is. Yeah, yeah. It's tied right back in. Because I had to print it out for Linda. And I just Skyped her. And I said, you have to have an application. And so she says, well, when are you getting yours? I said, well, I think they come in the mail like 14 days. I don't know, but mm-hmm. it's all on the website. She says, well, why can't I just, I mean, you could see where this is going, right? You know, Linda's going to give you 500, why can't I, why can't I? So when we have this at the very core of who we are, Mm -hmm. like Linda wants to vote. She doesn't want to get on a plane and go back to New Jersey to vote. Right, right, right. I can't even have a conversation with her about peace in the world because Mm -hmm. right in the middle of her is a thing. Yeah. Help us look at what is being created by the Empowerment Institute Mm -hmm. so we can meet people wherever they are today. Can we talk about that Yeah, for a absolutely.
2: Right. Yes, absolutely. Good. So, you know, this is, as I mentioned, put together by David Gershon. Um, yeah. And uh, I got involved with it by chance, the usual, you know, a friend sent me an email kind of thing, right? <laughs> and he was running meditation sessions when COVID started. And I started joining them because I, you know, it was comforting, right? It was something to hook into a higher, higher vibration and frequency. But he's come up with these seven, you know, frequencies or principles. Um, and they are oneness, faith, empowerment, unity cooperation abundance and love this particular order and has created something called the peace on earth game um and it is and there are different ways you can get involved but the basic part of the game is you actually you're on a team and you work for every you know once every two weeks you for two weeks you work each one of these frequencies like you work on oneness and he has a very specific action people can take related to that um, which has to do, you know, with reaching out to someone who's different than you, right? It could be someone at work, it could be someone you see at a coffee shop you've never met, it could be whatever. But these very pragmatic actions people can take, and then you meet with your teams and, and talk about it. Um, and there's, a more, of course, more structure than that, but but it's really interesting. And what he's found in his, you know, decades of work in social change, in social change science, it's when people take these kinds of actions and then discuss them with people like you were saying right having more getting more 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 chit chat going um that they start to change and then they reach out to people who start to change and then they reach out to people who start to change right and so his idea is this is um what's the old shampoo commercial you know what i'm talking about yeah yeah um you know i told two people then they told two people, exactly that kind of idea right exactly. yeah 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 um so And then if we just, we only got a half percent of the planet, which is still like 40 billion people, so it's a lot of people, but it's only half a percent, that that would raise the level of consciousness enough to tip things. And so this is all about raising levels of consciousness and creating, you know, unity, right? And coming from love, not fear, like you were saying, you know, we have the highest fear we've ever had. Um, And what I found was, you know, I started um, taking some classes he was offering related to this. once a week for an hour and a half. And I thought I'd hang up from each Zoom call and like, I feel so much better because my own frequency was raising, right? My own in the midst of all this fear. And so it's interesting if you you get engaged in something like this, and I really encourage people if they're even a little bit intrigued to to go to uh, peace2030.earth and check it out or the Empowerment Institute will also take you there. Um, You'll find a a link there and just see if it resonates with you because there's really something about it. uh, And it's a real concrete way to make a difference, um, and I had to kind of get into it to see it. I was like, "Really? Can this really help?" But the more I've learned about it, I see, you know, a person by person change. Yeah, can really help.
1: Yeah, I I love that we're talking about this, and you know, I love the idea of a person by person change mm-hmm. because you know it was a really long time after somebody said to me, "Look, Pat," and I'm telling you, I had to be like 18. When somebody Mm -hmm. said this to me, because back then, back in the day, like Benny likes to talk about, I was really a crazy child, and Mm -hmm. it was before I was eighteen. It was way before that. Yeah. Uh, If somebody said march and protest, I didn't even brush my teeth. I was on the street. (laughs) Yeah. And you know, and and the question that I was asked was this one, was. Don't you think you got to take care of yourself on the inside first, Pat, before you're trying to change the world? Mm-hmm. And you just answered the question for me in an odd way. Mm. Because when you're part of the ripple effect you just described,
2: mm-hmm.
1: even though you may not feel it, you become part of the change.
2: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Right? And you may not realize you're changing. Mm-hmm. I have to tell you, I wanna ask you this, same question. I know as a CEO, an entrepreneur, whatever you call people that own mm-hmm. companies, Right. I have had to change in the past six months. Mm-hmm. I didn't know I was changing, mm-hmm. but I've had to change the way that I'm managing people, how mm. we're structuring the company. But I didn't wake up Claudette and say, I think I have to change. Right. <laughs> how has this been changing you?
2: Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, I think it's, um, it's deepened a lot of things, right? So it's deepened certain relationships um, in my life in really good ways. You know, when COVID started, I'm in the Boston area, and we, of course, Massachusetts had a shutdown. Um, so then going to work, which I could do, I wasn't really going anywhere else, um, I, you know, my, I thought to myself, how do I make sure I don't get depressed? I'm not a homebody i'm not an out and about kind of person right and so i had to dig really deep and get engaged in some like creative endeavors and some follow some threads that i've been interested in for a really long time um professionally i think the changes are even more truth telling even more standing up you know and figuring out every time i hold back from saying you know i really think we need to do this for the company we need to address this or that it backfired when i didn't say it when i didn't speak it um so I think it's continue for me. It's a continuation of pushing that particular edge and boundary. You know, times when I just want to be like, "Oh well, you know, it's not that big of a deal." It is a big deal, right? <laughs> and keep rising, you know, rising up to that occasion. Yeah, yeah.
1: You know, and I, I'm finding something else. I want to ask you about this because a lot of times when you go into organizations, as you have as a consultant, as I have as a consultant, you know, you don't work in the detail of things. Okay, you they bring you in, you get some detail, but rarely, unless you really get down in the weeds with people, which both of us have. Yeah, you rarely get to feel what's going on in people's hearts, mm-hmm. right?
0: Right,
1: but once you get a taste of that, you're forever changed, and you write books like Cultural Brilliance as mm. you look back now mm-hmm. on Cultural Brilliance and writing it,
0: mm-hmm.
1: right. Right. What might you change in your next edition, if there is one? I know I got three minutes left, and I ask you that question. Uh, yeah,
2: what would I change? <laughs> no. I think there's something. Uh, you know, this is way off the top of my head, um, but I think I think there's something about um, understanding the ups and downs of systems change. So, um, and I think I there's only, the only way I would have known that is going through some of these experiences, right? Because we see kind of this expansion and then we see we change one thing and we're like, oh, well, this had an impact over here we weren't aware of on a certain group of people. So now we need to change. Now we need to address that. Right. Yep. So there is a, a wobbliness to it. I think even when you're doing it with great intentions and doing it with skill. Yeah. Um, I think the other thing I would emphasize in another edition would be um, that this does take a lot of stamina as a leader. You know, it, it does. And a lot of education, a lot of coaching, a lot of, right, making sure you have the support you need. Um, and I think it's during COVID, one thing I've noticed in some leaders is when they're not managing their stress well, which I totally have compassion for, they're not making very good decisions. No, right, I know and, that. And it's really hard to manage stress right now. But it has, almost in almost a weird way, has to be your number one priority as a leader so that you can think clearly.
1: You know what, I got to tell you, uh, first of all, I want to thank you for today and really it's great to check in with you And, and I will make sure we stay in connection to see how things evolve. But I'm really struck by a couple of things. One is, you know, having worked with you and learned from you. Um, all of the things that went into the book and to, went into the body of work of cultural brilliance,
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, I'm reminded of and have put to use to mm-hmm. really navigate these waters with these 15-foot waves that come in. Mm-hmm. Um, especially some of the things you talk about with having to understand the big picture, but mm-hmm. the impact at an emotional and heart level on the people mm-hmm. in your right. staff. Right. Um, and if somebody wants to make sure that there's a six foot mark, you get a piece of tape and you put it on the floor.
2: Right, right, right. Yeah.
1: Claudette, thank you so much. Uh, you again, so much. last question. What do you want to leave us with today and and let folks know how they can get a copy of your book and find out about you?
2: Oh, thanks. Culturalbrilliance.com is a great place to to, uh, to connect with the book and to connect with me. Um, What do I leave people with? There's something about, you know, there's, there's so much potential in what's happening now. And I just, it's like gold, you know, the opportunities here, the potential, and it is so easy to miss because there's so much pain and fear, but I encourage everyone to, to keep looking every day for some, the opportunity to look for the unusual, to look for the unexpected, to, you know, search inside yourself differently and get really creative.
1: I love it, Claudette Rowley. Thank you so much. I hope to see you you when I travel back to the East Coast in March. That would be great, March,
2: March. okay. And we are here
1: for you if you need anything and we support you on whatever journey you take next. Thank thank you you. so much. Yeah, Claudette Rowley everyone. And please, if you haven't read the book, Cultural Brilliance, please go ahead and do that. It really is brilliant um go to culturalbrilliance.com i'm dr pat we're going to take a short break we've got more coming up